This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, everybody. Parshas Mitzvah 5781. Oh, I'm muted. Okay, hold on one second. I got you. Sorry, Gary. I thought I wasn't. Yudalid Lamed Vav. It says, Vitziva HaKohen. The Kohen commands... Ufinu esabayis betarim yavol koin loros zanoga. They clear out the house before the coin comes to see the affliction. Below yitame kolasher bayis. That way, everything in the house doesn't become tame. It doesn't. It's not matame. Everything in the house. The achar and after that yavol ha koin liros zabayis. That's when the coin comes in to go see the house. So first of all, before we start, the Tzoramor asks why this happens. What's happening over here? We've given Shiram on the Tzoras bias before, why there is Tzoras in the house. The Tzoramor says that part of the reason why this is happening is because the man is stingy. He refused to help others out. He was taking their things, borrowing it and not returning it, or not allowing them to borrow his stuff or giving it to other people. And therefore, it causes him to have tsaras in his house, says to bring out all his belongings to the street. He has to bring everything out for everybody to have so everyone can see what he wasn't willing to lend to others. Everyone, therefore, is going to see he's a liar, he's stingy, he's a guy who's not helping anybody, doesn't care about anybody else, and his public embarrassment will be a kapara form. This whole point is to publicly embarrass him. He's going to ask all of his neighbors for help. He's going to invite them inside his house. They're going to see everything. They're going to see every little bit because he has to get everything out as soon as possible. He's going to need a little bit of help. That means they're going to see everything, even the stuff he denied about, the stuff he lied about, etc. That's the idea, says the Tzoramor. That's what's happening over here with Sarasa Bais and why this is happening. There's another reason brought for Nige Batim, for the Negayim in houses. These houses were filled, says the Tzoramor, with Shadim and Koko Satuma, and that's why it has to be destroyed. The entire house has to be destroyed, raised to the ground. According to that idea, then why would clearing the house of its kalim work? If the whole house is filled with tuma and filled with shade and filled with all these demons, wouldn't it retain its tuma if you bring the kalim outside and then you put it back in into a brand new house? I mean, if you take this stuff out and it had tuma inside the house, doesn't that tuma attach itself to all the different kalim? So you bring out your table. Your table's tummy. You bring out the chairs. The chairs are tummy. You bring out the clothes. The clothes are tummy. Why is that going to be able to work? Why would anybody do that? Burn the house. Burn everything in it down. That's what you should do. The answer, says the Tzoramor, is that this specific form of tuma and shade only affects houses. Therefore, it's not an issue by anything else inside there, the kalim or anything else out there. Once you take them out of a house that is tame, the kalim are able to breathe, so to speak. They're able to get out of that tuma that they were in, and they can be used properly from that point on. All you need is to bring it in, take it out, I'm sorry, and then it becomes something new. For this reason, in Negayim, Perak Yudbe's Mishnah Hay, it says the following, we say that the person should take out even bundles of sticks and hay and 
little bricks and wood, etc., bring out anything, even though they can't become Tameh. They're not a Kli, so to speak. Nonetheless, it's a Gzeris, a Kasuv. Everything should be brought out seemingly as a Kapara for him. And think about that. If it's because he's stingy and he's a liar, etc., then bring it out. That's your Kapara. But even if you're not, the fact that you have to empty out your house, this happened to you, is an unbelievable Kapara. And that's why we're telling you to bring it outside the house and show before the coin comes, you bring it out to be able to get that Kapara. Maybe even if you do that, then the the coin will come. Oh, we'll see a little bit later. However, the Malbim seems to say that the other Kalim that should be taken out are only Kalim that might affect the ability of the Kohen to see what's going on on the walls. Take off all the paintings and put them down to the ground. All chairs and tables that might affect the coin from going around the house. It's not about emptying the house out of those Kalim, although obviously that's there as well. It's also about saying, I don't want to hurt the coin from having his ability to see and do what he needs to do inside the house. That's how the Malvin puts it. I'm not positive. If the Malvin saying those are the only Kalim you bring out, you bring out everything. I'm not sure. I, I don't have an answer for that. Because Nayim Latota says the coin shouldn't be there at the time when they're clearing out the house. He shouldn't even be around. Because this guy is so thoroughly embarrassed by what's happening over here, the coin shouldn't see him in his embarrassment. There's no reason for the coin to add to that embarrassment. He'll invite over anybody who can, and obviously the neighbors are going to see it in the street. But no one else should add to this, right? And that's that. That's the idea. He should wait until the clearing out of the house is finished, and then he comes in, and then he looks at the house itself to see that it's tummy or tall or etc. And that's the idea of Itziva HaKohen, Ufino, as of icy commands, they clear out the house, and then the Yavo HaKohen, Liros, is a nega, that he comes in to go see the nega itself, and that's the idea behind it. He also says that he should see if the house is even roy to have Nagayim in the first place. There are some houses that can't become Tameh. For example, a round house. If there are no corners, then it's impossible for that house to become Tameh because it's got to be a Nega that's on a corner where it's on one side of the house and one side of the house and it's the size of like an Adasha and an Adasha on both sides. If you have a round house, it never applies. There's no Tuma in that house. So an easy way to get a Nigebatim is to make sure that you have a house that's completely rounded. Completely rounded. We all have those houses, right? Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't have those types of houses? But that's the idea behind it. And that's what the coin does. Now, the Chsam Sofer, beautiful Chsam Sofer, says it's got to be the Kohen who commands him. Look what it says. Utsiva HaKohen. You can't do it on your own. The Kohen has to command to clear it out. Why is that? He gives a great suggestion. Guys, have you ever heard that line that you're not supposed to say that a certain person is a chola? Have you ever heard that before? Like, you know how most of Claudius Yisrael, you'll hear them, and they don't want to say the word cancer. They'll say yenem machla. They'll do things like that. They won't say the actual word. Bris crusalis fasayim. It's dangerous to say certain things with your lips. Because when you say it, it's almost like you're applying it. You're making it happen. It's the same reason why we don't call on the names of certain malachim or certain shadim, certain demons. There are some people who won't even say the word shade. They won't say it. They won't say it. I'm sorry? That's a little bit different because that might be the name of Avodah Zarah. V'shem Elohim Acherim Lo Yaskiru. That's a little bit different. But this is because there's an actual power by calling out their name and we don't want to call power to it. He says, if you say, I think my house has saras, 
come help me take the stuff out, that's a problem. Don't do that because then it's as if you're proclaiming that the house has Sarah. So instead, what you do is you go to the Kohen and you're like, Kohen, I need your help to look at my house. To which he says, clear out your house. See, you're not making a decision before and it's not on you. You're not saying anything and therefore you don't have to worry about whatsoever. And that's why, says the Chassam Sofer, you say to the Kohen in the Pasuk before this, Kanega nearly babais. Something like a nega I see in my house. I don't see a nega. I see something like it. I don't know what it is. Because if you say it's a nega, that could cause something to happen. Let the Kohen make all decisions. Vitziva Kohen, let the Kohen do it. You shouldn't yourself. You shouldn't do that. Meshachachma explains a little bit more about what's happening here. At first he says, now I'll tell you honestly, I, I don't know exactly what he means by this, but he says, Liros is a nega and then Liros as a bias. I'm not sure exactly, but it does seem to say it. It says Liros is a nega and Liros is a bias. The Oznai Latour seem to say the opposite, but we'll go with this album over here. This is because if the Kohen is metame the house, he's metame everything in it. So you know what I would have thought? I would have thought that a nega should be treated like a mace, right? That if there's a mace in the house, then it automatically is metame everything inside it. It doesn't make a difference if you took it out before somebody came in to take. If you take out the mace before the Hebra Kadisha comes to take the mace out of the house, all this stuff is tame anyway. It doesn't make a difference. So I would have thought that a nega, saras, would be treated like a mace. That if you have it in a house, all this stuff in the house is automatically tame, and everything's there even before someone comes in. Even before that's going to be there. The only time that it'll help to clear out the house, to clear out the kalim, is if the house goes into hezger mode. Now, as a timeout, i got to explain this a little bit. By saras, there's two different points. There's musker and there's muchlut. Musker means it's closed off, it's quarantined. We have to check to see what's happening and what you should do, etc. So meaning, if you have, let's just say I'm the person, it's true by a bias as well, but let's say you go up to a coin and you say, look, I've... I think I have a nega over here. And you go up to him and you show him the little thing. There's a white spot with a white hair that looks a little bit deeper from the skin. There's either michya or whatever it is, like raw flesh all around it. You go to the coin, the coin looks at it. If the coin is positive, it's tame. Then he makes you into a mitzora muchlot. Muchlot means decisively. After that, after your tahor from a muchlot, you have to wait until it gets better. That could be weeks, it could be months, it could be days. But as soon as it gets better, that's when you got to bring, you got to shave off all your hair, you got to bring korbanos, and you send out the two birds. That's the tahara that's mentioned in Parshish Mitzorah, that's mentioned over there in the beginning of Parshish Mitzorah. Okay, but there's also something called a muchlot. Let's say the coin is not sure. He looks at it and he's like, I have no idea. I don't know if that's deep enough. I don't know if that's a real white hair. I'm not sure what that's going to be. Well, at that point, you become a musker. And by a house, that is, it's not big enough yet. But it might become big enough. So there's a point called musker in which you quarantine the house or the person or the begadim, etc. And then you wait to go see what happens. Now, I would think that this whole point of clear out the kalim of the house so that you can save the kalim only works if the house becomes musker. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, it's not decisively tame. It's only musker. So the kalim were only a suffix to us. So taking them out is going to work. Says the Meshachachma. But if the house becomes muchlot, if it's really tame, I would think it's like a mace. 
If there were kalim inside there, then the kalim are totally tummy. Even if you took them out, maybe it wouldn't work. Kamash Malan says the Meshachachma. If even if the house ends up becoming tummy, even if it ends up becoming mukhlet, even if the coin looks in and says, holy cow, this is the worst saras I've ever seen, right? It doesn't make a difference. If you take the kalim out, the kalim are going to be tahor. Because again, the point of taking out the kalim is not to save them from tuma, although that's true, you are saving them from tuma. The point of taking the kalim out is to embarrass the guy. It's to cause him to have a kapara. That's the only reason. There's nothing else involved over here. There's no other tuma there. Stem wait. Why are we waiting? Why do we tell the coin to wait, I should say, in order to take these kalim out? Isn't it a worse kapara for the guy to lose all of his stuff? Wouldn't that be a better kapara? Why is the Kohen saying like, you know what, clear it out. I'll be there at 2 p.m. Have it all cleared out before then. Go now, say it's Tomei, and make the guy go buy a new couch set. Make the guy buy a whole new table. Make him buy everything new. And if he says, oh man, I just lost everything in my house. You say, yeah, that's the problem of getting saras. What, wouldn't that be a greater kapara? I understand the kapara of taking the stuff out and embarrassing the guy. I totally get it. The stuff is going to be brought out anyway when you destroy the house. You're going to take it down brick by brick. Everything's going to be destroyed anyway. You're going to have a huge bonfire. Everybody's going to be looking at it and saying, oh my gosh, look at what this guy had. Oh my gosh, this guy took my stuff. They're going to say it anyway. So why are we telling the Kohen to wait? Why are we doing such a thing? And seemingly, it's just to save things that are valuable. That can't be it. There's got to be something more to this. This is says, obviously, it's to give the guy a chance to do tshuva. Imagine, Yoni, you're sitting there and you got to clear out your house before the Kohen comes and possibly kicks you out of your home. You might even have to knock down your home. And you don't know what to do. You're sitting there, you're worried out of your mind. You're like, what in the world am I going to do? What do you think you're going to do? You're going to be crying and saying Tehillim by heart and doing Tshuva as much as you can so that you don't have to worry about losing your house. Doesn't that make sense? In other words, it's sort of like if the Kohen would come right over, you don't have any time to do tshuva. You, you just sort of like, oh my gosh, Kohen, get over here. The Kohen's going to come over, look at it, and say like, oh, it's Tomei. And you're like, oh man, it's Tomei. It's too late. You can't do tshuva. It's too late for that. You know what you got to do? You have to say that. You have to literally say it out loud. Kohen, come to my house. The Kohen has to say, clear out the house first. And you're like, okay. And I have a couple hours with a bunch of people around me where I'm crying, I'm doing tshuva, I'm doing everything. It says this forno, that's the pshat. That's the idea behind it. And it's brilliant. This is an actual chance to do tshuva so that when the Kohen actually comes, it's possible your tshuva will cause the nega to get smaller and smaller and smaller. You can literally turn it around before the Kohen comes. You might have heard this before, like a guy saying to another person, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe a principal saying to a kid who's in school and saying, meet me in my office, meet me in one hour. Now, why would a principal do that? Now, it could be that most principals are evil, and it could be that they're just trying to do it to get the kid to get it, whatever it is. But if I was doing it, and I'm not evil, I promise you, I'm the greatest person ever, that if I'm going to do that, I would call the person into my office and tell him to spend some time working on himself so when he comes into my office, contrite thinking about what he did, thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? He's coming to my office not with an attitude, with a brazen forehead coming up and saying, this is what I want to do or this is where I am. He's coming to my office and saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. That's the whole point. 
That's what a Kaddish Baruch Hu did over here. I think it makes so much sense to be able to do it. I, I, it would make sense to do this in every case. To clear out the house, give the guy time, have time to be able to do it. The Zayim Torah says it as well. Okay, the Rashi says, until the Kohen comes in to declare the house Tameh, the house does not have the shame Tuma on it. Which means all the objects in the house are fine. As we said before, you can clear them out. There's no issue. There shouldn't be any problem with that. It's all fine. If he does not clear the, the house out and the coin is metamiyet, then everything inside the house, says Rashi, automatically becomes tame, right? Even if it's musker or muchlet, whichever one, as we said before, the difference between those two. Now, what are they trying to save here, says Rashi? And this is a great line from Rashi. What are they trying to save? If it's metal kalim, what can you do to metal kalim if they become tame, guys? What do you do? So, Topol it by regular things or burn it if you need to, depending on what it is, right? You could do one of the things out there. You could tovel it. You could be matire them. If it's food or drink, you can also tovel food or drink. Granted, that's not awesome. <laughs> but in theory, you could tovel it. And food and drink is not that bad. How much do you think you're possibly losing from that? They didn't save food like we do nowadays. So that makes a lot of sense. So what are they worried about? They're worried about clay cheres, says Rashi. What's clay cheres? You know, pottery. Cheap bowls. That's what they're worried about. That those bowls will become tame, and there's nothing you can do. You can't be metaher, clay, you know, clay bowls or you know, pottery bowls. You can't do anything about that. So therefore, the Torah is telling you a law, giving you an entire law to clear out your house for the cheap stuff. For the cheap stuff that you couldn't do anything else with. That's a lesson. In Yuma, Lamed Testament Aleph, Rashi tells us that if the Torah tries to save even a little bit of money like the clay cheres before contaminating the house, cold shikane, the Torah tries to save us from spending a lot of money on anything. The Torah is not going to sit there saying spend a crazy amount of money. Look, I know what we spend on Esrogim and Lulavim on Sukkot. That's for Hidr Mitzvah. That's for Hidr Mitzvah. That's not for the actual mitzvah of Esrog and Lulav. The mitzvah of Esrog and Lulav, even according to Tosos, right? My son will tell you, this is Chabura, right? The, the mitzvah of, of actual hitter mitzvah is just to buy an Esrog that's a third bigger or a third more expensive than the amount of the cheapest Esrog that's still kosher. No, it's amazing. <laughs> but it's not a chiv from the Torah. Like when people say like, oh man, God is making me spend $150 on an Esrog. God isn't making you spend it. That's you. Because you want to go around while you're walking around for those seven seconds in Hoshanos, and everybody wants to look at, you know, you see their Esrog, and they're just like, oh my gosh, that's an awesome looking Esrog. So you get that. That's the only reason why you're spending the 150 bucks. Don't blame God on this. Technically, any Esrog that's over 25 bucks is kosher. Now, I, 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 relatively speaking, I'm not going to say that, okay? It depends on the place, Esrog, etc. But as long as it's there, you're perfectly fine. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to waste our money. Of course we spend as much money as we can to beautify mitzvahs and do amazing things. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to go poor for this. Kol Shekin, he says, for people, and it obviously goes the same way, this is true even by stingy people. Because look, Sarasa buys is by people who wouldn't give their stuff to others. And Hashem is saying, let's save this guy's money. Kol Shekin for people that are magnanimous, that give tzedakah, that want to give out. HaKadosh Baruch wants to save their stuff. Now, I am going to point out a massive steer here. Does anybody see the contradiction before I even get to it? Kaddish Baruch is saving your kalim by taking your stuff out. We see how great God is that he wants us to not lose any money. And yet? Can't lose the house. 
you lose the house. That's the greatest contradiction in the world. And yet you're losing your entire house for a tiny little mold spot that's on the wall where a Cohen comes by and says, yeah, nothing I can do. And you knock down the entire house. I know. I know that's a Sira. I'll get to that. I will get to that. The Moshe of Zikanim asked about this. They asked, like, why couldn't you just say that it's something else, etc. You can look it up yourself. They're all reshown in the Panam Yafos has something over here. The Be'er Basada has something here. But I'm skipping that out. Tvaris Yonason brings up this idea from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu went back over the river Yabok to grab his pachim ketanim, small clay jars. That's mamish what we're talking about here. The same way that we're willing to go back for the clay charis, the cheap stuff. So too Yaakov Avinu went back for the small clay jars. And this is why, says Rashi, tzaddikim are makbid on everything they have because they know, even if it's, it's totally insignificant, because they know they never stole anything at all. They never used their money in an improper fashion. And everything they got was legitimate in the best possible way. The clear message, obviously, if he brings all of his belongings outside, everyone will see what he stole or whatever. There's a clear connection here. The clear message is that if a person is careful about theft his whole life, he'll have nothing to worry about when it comes to Tsarasa bias. If a person does, he does it on his own and he takes things on his own and whatever it is, and a Kaddish Baruch will bring out everything you have to save your clay cheres and embarrass you publicly. If you don't do it on your own by staying away from theft, the way Yaakov you know, did, then Hashem will make it happen to you. Okay, Tosefis Bracha also brings down a ton of stuff where we're sometimes choshish for a hefzid merubah, not a hefzid klala. I'm not going to go into that. But Yatsev Avram, again, the same sefer I brought up a couple weeks ago, says the reason why a Kaddish Baruch Hu cares so much about the money of a Jew and won't allow him to lose money for no reason at all is because the most valuable thing in the world is time. And Hashem knows, if you have to waste your time going to make more money or to get something else, that is the worst thing you could do. If you lost everything in your house, you lost your table, you lost your chairs, you lost everything, then you're going to have to go to all these different stores and waste days, if not weeks, to make up everything you have inside your house. Ask anyone who has has had a fire in their house. The waste of time. That it is, obviously, it, hope, there's no, let's assume, no deaths, no chas v'shalom, anything bad that happened. The, but there's stuff. Stuff was burned. To make everything up, even if they have the greatest insurance in the world, it's unbelievably time-consuming. There's nothing more valuable than that. Says Ram, that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is taking care of us. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making sure that nothing, he's pitying our time and that, for that reason, our money, to make sure we don't lose it. And that's the whole idea of Bechol Me'odecha, which according to the Gemara, one parish of the Gemara is Bechol Mamoncha, that all of your money, you're willing to put your money for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want it. He wants you to have your money so you don't waste anything else. And that's the idea behind it. And we're, not, we're told, don't spend money on extraneous items. Don't lose the Tzibor's money. This is all the same basic idea. And Rav Sternbach and Tam Vadas takes it one step further. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want to waste the money of a person who might not be a very big tzaddik. Again, this guy is a little bit of a Russia. He's taking people's stuff. He's not lending it out, etc., we should never be mevaze at tzaddik or waste his money either, ever. We shouldn't have anything to do with that type of a guy, but that doesn't mean we should hurt him in any way or cause him to have a loss in any way whatsoever. We don't, 
We don't try to make people lose money. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not allowing us to do it, we don't get involved with other people as well. Rabbi Victor Miller says this principle is all over the Torah. We have to treat others with chesed the same way Hashem does for us. If Hashem is worried about our pottery, about our tiny little, our $5 items, then we should be careful with other people's items as well. How many times have we borrowed something from somebody else and really didn't care with what we did with it or how we treated it, etc.? I'm not blaming anyone. Everyone is responsible for this. It should be that when you borrow something, you should treat it as if you're borrowing your friend's Ferrari. You borrow your friend's Ferrari, you're not going to do anything stupid when you're inside it. But what difference does it make if it's a Ferrari or a Toyota Corolla? What difference does it make? It's still something, right, where your friend has it, you shouldn't waste it. There's no reason to spend any money, anything, right, to, to, that doesn't need to happen, that doesn't need to happen over here. And Ramosha Alshech says that's the tremendous lesson. And I hope everybody's at it. But Mati, that was what you called out, right, regarding with the, the house itself. If no one has ever heard this Parsha before and just heard it for the very first time, if this is the first time you heard about Sarasa bias, that a little mold spot will cause you to possibly lose your entire house. You have a mansion worth millions of dollars, a huge house. It's worth millions. And one day you see a reddish or greenish spot on the wall, bright red or bright green. Remember, Sarasa, the house is not white. It's not yellow. It's reddish or greenish. But you see that little spot on the wall. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is that? And you call in you know, one of those mold experts, and the mold expert says, oh, well, yeah, I've seen this before. It's Sarasa bias. You better call in your local coin and have them check out the house, etc." Then all of a sudden, the coin comes in and he says, yeah, you're going to have to knock this down. This is a 6,000-foot, square-foot mansion. I'm not knocking down my house for one little thing. I'll knock down the wall. And that is one thing you do, knock down the wall, scrape off the stones, etc. But if it grows back, you have to knock down the entire house. That's crazy. That's crazy, says the Alshech. Remember, Ramosha Alshech lived in Sfas five centuries ago. He was one of the Talmidim Chaverim of the Arizal. Talking about one of the, he got smicha, and the smichas Rabbanon that came back, according to the Rambam's 100, etc. It seems so strange. What in the world is going on here? That's what a person would think when he goes in. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands us to take out the kalim before and before the coin comes in so we don't lose anything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is teaching us a lesson here. It may look like HaKadosh Baruch Hu just doesn't care. He's willing to make you lose millions on a huge mansion, right, in order for you to do something which seems to be insignificant. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, whoa, whoa, whoa. take out your clay, Caleb. Take out everything from your house and save everything. You're worried about the house? Don't worry about anything. I take care of everything you need. I'm telling you right now, you need to get out of the house. I need this house to be destroyed. If you stay here, it'll be bad for you. It'll be bad for your kids. It'll be bad for everything. I need you out. And yes, you need this kapara. You need this kapara. I don't know why it has to happen. I mean, I'm saying from me. I don't know why it has to happen this way. But a Baruch Hu is sitting there and telling you, I'm telling you, it has to happen this way. If you don't do anything, something horrible is going to happen. It's almost like this entire parsha is teaching us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you because he's making sure you don't lose your little bowl. But at the same time, something happens to make you realize that a Kaddish Baruch who knows what's best for you. Even if it's super hard, super hard, and you lose your entire house because of it. God cares, but so much so that he's willing to knock you down in order to make you understand that. 
says the Al-Sheikh, that's the lesson behind this Parsha. And that is such a hard lesson to learn. Such an unbelievably hard lesson to learn. I suggest you don't tell that to the person when you tell him that you're going to have to knock down his house. That's a really hard lesson to be able to take in for yourself. Now, Ibn Ezra says that everyone can come in and be able to clear out the house. You're supposed to do it quickly. They clear out the house. Many, multiple people, anybody can come inside. As many people as you want can come in and help you. You can do it quickly and that's that. The Orachayim Akadosh asked the same question as we said before. Why do you have to clear it out before the coin comes? Why not do this? Have the coin come in, take a look, and as soon as he's like, Mm-mm, I don't know. As soon as he says that, clear out the house. Why not do it then? And have the coin sit and wait, and as soon as you clear out the house, then the coin says, all right, it's Tame. Wouldn't that be smarter? Wouldn't that be smarter? Instead of clearing it out beforehand, wait to see what the coin says. Yeah. No, but someone as an answer. Yeah. Uh, that that would first of all that would mean that if you said before the mansion, but that could take days for them all like, to. Meaning if you have a huge house and you have all this stuff. But either way, you're doing that before the coin comes. Not like the coin is giving you carte blanche to take days to do it. He's saying, I'm coming at 3, clear out the house beforehand. So why not just say, the coin comes at 9 a.m. And he'll wait until you finish clearing it out and then declare it Tameh. Why not do that, says Orachai Makadosh? And he says something amazing. And I'm not sure how to declare that. Maybe somebody can come up with an idea that really applies here. I'm not positive. I'm, I, 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 I have a lesson here. I'm just not positive I have it completely. But he says the following. The Kohen, when he gets there and he has to make a psak, has to make the psak. He's got to do it. Meaning he can delay going to the house. But as soon as he knows what the halacha is, he's got to declare it immediately. He cannot wait. There's no, I'll wait for you to clear out the house. There is, I'm telling you right now what to be able, what you have to do. I'm not positive this is a good comparison, but it's like going to Bayesden for Dine Nefashos. If a person, if you, you can delay the judgment till a certain point, even the din, we say, we don't push it off. But once the judges come up with a psak, you can't delay it to the next day. You can't say like, you know what, it's late, let's, Let's go to bed and we'll wake up tomorrow. We'll redo, we'll reconvene tomorrow. If the din has already been made, you decided on the judgment. If it's done, you've got to tell them immediately what it is. Don't let them sit and stew and think about it, etc. I don't know if that's a great comparison. It's not a great, great comparison. But the concept is that you're supposed to, once you know what you have to do, you have to do it. You have to go ahead and do it. And there's nothing else you can do at that point. It sounds like, I, I don't know, maybe the Orachayim HaKadu says that you might go too quickly if that would happen at that time. But I don't know if that's the lesson that he wants to teach from it. Like, you might lose some of your stuff. Yeah, Paul. I was going to say, it's kind of like Nebua. Like, you have to, like, once you get it... You have to go ahead and say it. Because, like, when we saw it with Yonah, right. he tried to delay it, and it, it got him away. Right, and Shmuel and Avi with Eli himself, when he, he didn't want to say the Nebua over to Eli, knowing how bad it was for Eli, and Eli said to him, I swear to you, you have to tell me now, or etc. Right, I, I, I hear you. I, I don't have a great idea behind it. And even the time of the Kura, Rav Chaim Knievsky says this might be based on a machlokas. I, I'm just not sure. But that's what the Orachayim Akadr says. The Shach says an unbelievable thing. He says, if the house isn't tummy, there's no reason to bring this stuff out. So you should wait, because maybe the coin's not going to say anything. Then it's just a waste of your time, as we said, the most valuable commodity, by taking all your stuff out and then bringing all your stuff back in. So why do that? 
let the Kohen come and then explain and tell him what he thinks. And then afterward, you'll decide what to do. He then explains what it means not to wait. He says this, and this is a shach. It's kind of hard to say this otherwise. When the demon that's inside this house causing the tsaras to show up on the wall sees its mortal enemy, the Kohen, walk in. Do you hear this? The demon is causing all this tumor. He sees the Kohen walk in. It will immediately spread tumor to everything it can. Do you know what we said before, how we said that all the way in the beginning, the shade, for some reason, the Torah more said, can't apply on tumor. It only goes on houses. And the tumor of Tzaras Abayis is only on the house, but not on the stuff around there. That's what we said before. Says the Shach, it can if it's desperate. If the demon feels it's almost out, it's about to be exercised for whatever reason. If that's going to happen, then the demon will spread it to everything. And for that reason, you got to get the Kalim out of the house before the Kohen comes. Because as soon as the Kohen comes in, no matter what he declares, whether he declares Mukhlet or Musker, or even if right now it's Tahor, the demon will go crazy and spread Tuma everywhere around there, hoping that it'll be enough Right to be able to get rid of the Kohen as quickly as he could. That's the idea behind it. Therefore, the Kohen has to immediately declare what he has to declare and then walk out as quickly as possible. And walk out as quickly as possible. That is an unbelievable shot and something that is a little bit beyond our understanding. We don't understand what it means to have this shade that's sitting inside the house making a tome. I mean, it's possible, what we've said before, that shade are possibly bacteria and we all know that mold spots come from bacteria. So if that's a possibility, then it is possible that the shadim that are causing this in the house are causing a mold spot in the house that's making this happen. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I don't like attributing these miraculous instances of the Torah to something that we see physically in our eyes. I don't like doing that because we just have absolutely no clue. We've never seen Sarasa bias before. Maybe once with Rebionis, but we've never seen such a concept before. I'm not positive, but it seems to be absolutely crazy. But whenever it is that he sees that the house is possessed, so to speak, with this demon, the coin has to declare it and get out, says the Shach. He cannot remain. He can't allow himself to be inside there. It's almost like there's a dead person in the house. You ever heard anything like that before? It's literally just crazy. There's a Gemara in Baba Kama and that brings down that, you know, in dilapidated houses, there are shadim that live inside there. But this is a regular inhabited house. You don't hear this, that it's causing, the, the demon is causing these things and whatever it is. You should know, by the way, as a timeout, there are people that claim, Christians, I've never heard a Jew claim this, but there are people that claim that there are these spots on the wall that the mold will end up being like, faces and they can see it in the wall like images of demons and stuff like that they make these claims i have i i mean I, I listen my attitude when it comes to this stuff is don't believe it until you actually see it right when it comes to that i'm sorry dave right those are the good ones those are the good ones no but i was reading stories for, that, that, about these people this is from years ago but i have the book in my house in which they were seeing these pictures of demons and you know like actual like horns with like a tail and everything like that and they were scared out of their mind from it right and i, I have absolutely no idea of those things in theory the way this shock is saying it that could be real the Torah more also in theory there could be something behind that we don't know exactly what that means 
Right. If you find it in grilled cheese and toast, I think that's different. I, th- I think. But I'm not positive. I, I don't know. And by the way, if you do have it in grilled cheese and toast, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I think you should sell that on eBay. You're going to make some money. I think that would be pretty good. By the way, but that's the idea behind it. The Moshev Zekanim, the Chaim Paltiel, the Gurari and the Mizrahi, they also talk about this. Right? But that Shach is just to me, one of the crazier things I've heard in a long, long time, what happens over here. The Yelis Ashachar wonders, is there baltashchis in this situation? You all know, lo we can't waste things. We can't just throw things out and get rid of them completely. There's such a concept of baltashchis. We don't want to waste things. If you refuse to take out the kalim before the Kohen comes, are you over on baltashchis? Isn't that a great question? You over on Baltashkas. You could have saved it and you didn't. You're wasting it in theory. Do you have to do it? Or is it you can do it in order to save your stuff, but you don't have to do it itself? He quotes Rabbi Akiva Eger in Mishnaya School in Perak Aleph Mishnah Aleph. He says, There's Baltashkas if you cause an animal to become an Avela. If you're the reason why an animal became an Avela, it's Baltashkas. Now listen, if I make an animal an Avela, does that mean that animal can't be eaten ever? Of course it's okay. Who could eat it? A non-Jew. Just give it over to a non-Jew. Sell it to McDonald's. That's what every shochet house does. When they find trephus or they have nevelas in a shochet house, what do you think they do with the meat? You think they throw it out? No. They sell it at a much cheaper price to McDonald's or whatever. It is. It's probably the only actual meat that McDonald's uses aside from rat and dog meat. It's probably the only stuff out there. They get that. Ugh, I forgot on video. Torah anytime. They're not listening. So either way, so uh, we'll be, we'll, it seems, says Rabbi Kivager, what? No, it's fine. But Rabbi Kivager says, right, that's still considered Baltashkis. It just seems very strange that we should tell a person he's over on an Easter when he didn't clear out his kalim when he's not commanded to keep his kalim taller. It seems very strange that that's there. What an unbelievable concept. Until the coin comes, the nega is not tummy, Right? Once the coin comes, all of a sudden it's changed. All of a sudden these kalim change completely. Once the coin says something. The Chavetz Chaim says the lesson you learn from here is something called Kabul V'Kayim. Kabul V'Kayim. It says in Sanhedrin, Tzadi Bezum and Aleph. Rashi says the word Kabul means darkness. When bad things happen, accept it. As we said before, that concept. Make yourself as if you accept everything that's happening, whether it's horrible or not. Kabul V'Kayim. You act with humility in that fashion, in the end, you'll be Zohar to live longer. You may lose things. Yeah, your house may be lost. Kabul V'Kayim. His son said, this is the reason why the Chavetz Chaim never took a position of authority in his town and in the yeshiva in Raden. That he never was the Rav of Raden. He was never the Rosh Hashiva in the yeshiva in Raden. He was always involved, but he was never the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva. Why? Never, never had a Meshamesh in his house. He wouldn't have someone travel with him when he went out, etc. He ran from fame. And he, put, he never praised even his own sons for that reason. He told them, you're doing the right thing. But he never gave them. He would never allow even his daughters to marry in Raden. You know that? I didn't know this. His daughters married outside around. Why? Because he wanted no fame and no recognition at all. He would go to a place and he would teach his children to do the exact same thing, to be Kabul the Kayim. And that's the idea behind Tzoras Abayas, to be able to accept what a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives you and understand whatever it is, it's for the best, and never try to push yourself into something different and push the coin to say something a little bit different. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein says, another lesson that we learn here, we shouldn't call the coin and then make him wait to clear out the house. 
Not a great lesson to learn. So many times, call somebody or you make a meeting or whatever it is and you show up five minutes late. It happens. You know what I'm saying? Things could happen or whatever it is. You have to try your absolute hardest to make sure that you're on time because we can't call the coin, clear out the house, and then expect we can't do such a thing. He says that Rabbi Yashav used to praise Harav Kolitz, Rav Kolitz, that he was always on time for Beisden. Think about it. The Bali Din that have to come to Beisden have to close down their shops, hire other people to take care of the whatever, their businesses, etc. And then they get to go to whatever, go to Beisden, and the Dayanam are late. Dayanam are late. Who gives the Dayanam the right to be late in that situation? These guys, every second for them is another dollar that they have to spend in their businesses. Says Rabbi Yashiv used to say that this is, Rabbi Yashiv used to say that was the praise of such a person that he was willing to do such a thing. There's a Torah Tamima, and in Noda be Yehuda, in Yoradea Tinyana Simen Kuf Samach, this is an unbelievable line over here, but I'm going to end with this over here. The Sforno says that there is a hint here in these psukim to the three Bate Mikdash. And although we don't have time to go through all of them, it says the first two being destroyed, the third one being lasting forever, and it's hinted to in these psukim. He doesn't explain himself. He just says that that's what the Tsarasa bias refers to. Hopefully it means that one house has to be destroyed, the other house has to be knocked out, etc., right? And the third house will be there forever, will be Tahor, etc., Rabbeinu Ephraim says that's why they had to clear out the kalim of the second base of Mikdash that had a Bodhazara in it. The first base of Mikdash that had a Bodhazara in it, right? By Yirmiya would be the first base of Mikdash. A Bodhazara is metamel, like a dead body. They had to clear it out and keep it out completely. He says a little bit more, etc. But the last thing I'm going to say is Rebel Yashiv. What an unbelievable shot. I'm going to try to say it in two minutes. I'm going to go really quickly. Rabbi Yochan Mitzakai in Brachos, Chav Chasim says he was dying. He's told me he came to visit him. And as they came in, he was crying. They said, Rebbe, why are you crying? He said, I see two paths in front of me, one leading to Ganeid and one leading to Ganem. I don't know which one I'm going to go on, right? That's what Rabbi Yochum Mizakai said. Rabbi Yochum Mizakai is worried about going to Gehenim? This is a person who Mamish knew everything in Shash Peh. This is a person who led Klau Yisrael. He made Takanos for Klau Yisrael. He did everything for Klau Yisrael. He saved Yavna and all of its Chachamim, Rabbi Tzadok, from the times of the Korban itself, as well as we, we know from the Shoshotan David Melech, without Rabbi Yochan Metzake, who knows where Klai Yisrael would be? We don't even know if we would know who would, the children of David Melech after that point. That's what Rabbi Yochan Metzake did. You mean to tell me that this person is not getting Olam Haba? How could he even say that? He answers, because of that very Gemara. The Gemara in Gittin Samach Vav, right, where it mentions that uh, Nunvav, I'm sorry, Nunvav and Aleph, where it mentions Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai was sitting there and doing everything he had to do. The Romans surrounded the base of Mikdash. The Baryonim weren't allowing them to go in peace. He pretended that he had passed away and he went through with his students to go speak to Vespasian. He went to go see Vespasian, etc. Right? He begged for three things. But with those three things, he also allowed the base of Mikdash to be destroyed. Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai was worried. Did I make a good decision? Did I make a good decision? I don't know if I said it right or not. Did I make the right decision? I chose these three and I caused the base of Mikdash to be destroyed. I have two roads in front of me. I don't know if I made the right decision or if I made the wrong decision. I had no idea if I said the right thing or the wrong thing. Am I going to Gan or am I going to Gan Eden for what my decision was? Am I the reason why the base of Mikdash was destroyed? He mamish had absolutely no idea. And then, says the Gemara, he saw Chizkiyo Amela coming to greet him and he said, Panu Kalim Bifnei Atuma. Take away the Kalim because of Tuma, just like our Pasuk. Take out all the vessels that become tummy, I'm about to die. Chizkiyo did not sing Shira when Sancheriv was destroyed. Sancheriv and his entire army, 185,000 men, were all destroyed. He didn't sing Shira, but he received atonement, kapara, even though he should have sang Shira through the Torah that he had learned and caused others to learn. Rabbi Yochum said, it's the same thing by me. Even though I may have made a bad decision about the Beis Semikdash being destroyed, even though I may have done something, nonetheless, I learned Torah and I caused others to learn Torah with me. 
Panu Kalim Ibneatuma, the lesson that he gave to his Tomina, the lesson that we can learn from this Pasik, Yura in this world is to save as many Kalim Tahorim as you can. Don't allow Kalim to become Tame. As long as there's no Tuma for them, do everything you can to keep them around. Then we'll be able to rebuild that great base of Mikdash of ours using Shulshulta de Rabbin Gamliel, David Amelo's house, with everything with Reb Tzadok HaKohen and everything else that they went through. Maybe then we'll be able to get everything done. What an unbelievable line. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbat.